Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Um, Second part of a series, and I'm going to respect your time this morning, but I want to lay the foundation for uh, where we're going in the next couple of weeks. Um, in this idea of becoming fully alive, to love God and love others, and then we're in that transitional place. If you look at the passage uh, in Mark, Jesus says that when one of the teachers of the law came and asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The idea for this sermon and for the next two or three weeks as we think about this is framed in that second to the last line. It says the second is this love your neighbor as yourself. And I want to talk uh, about the love of self as the bridge to loving others in a way that doesn't hurt them. Because I think if you've been around for any length of time, maybe you have been loved in a way that was harmful to you by people who didn't love themselves, right? Does that make sense? And so it it is that that necessity of, of that bridge mark. You become that human bridge, that human connection between love of God and, and love of self. And when we started the series, I made the point um, using this text and building it back into um, uh, the or origin of the text in Deuteronomy that, that it is only as we are loving God that we can adequately love others. Um, because if we, if we, and the point I'm going to try and make today, just in brief, is that we are built to be loved. We are built as receptacles of love, as, as channels, as reservoirs of love. So it's not just in, it's in and out, right? It's, there was, there's this, this, this flow that we are built for. We are, we are not built simply as containers. We're, we're, we're built, but, but we have discovered a way to make the system flow backwards. And if the love of God is not our primary Alignment, our primary focus, our primary heart, we will reverse the flow and make the love of others the primary way in which we ourselves are loved. Because we're built for that. And, it, and it's as if, it's as if I, I don't know if you, you, you ever have had this privilege. When I was in, in many of you have, uh, but with the advent of digital photography, it's, it's much more difficult. So bear with me in this stupid illustration. When I was in junior high school, I was part of the photography club and we had a dark room and we printed our own negatives. So we made 35 millimeter shots or or uh, silver oxide exposures or whatever. And then we went in the dark room and printed that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, good. OK, so every once in a while we'd get the negative in the develop in the in the printer backwards. Right. And so it would print the reverse image. So that if you took a picture of somebody 
oriented this way. The, the print would develop with them oriented this way. So it was almost as if you were looking through the, through the back end of this. And, and, and when it came out of the, of the developer, you'd look at it and, and you'd recognize the picture that I had taken, right? But then they realize something's off. There's, there's, there's a strangeness to this. It doesn't quite look right. Yeah? That's what I'm getting at. If we don't have the alignment to the love of God, we will be loved. And we will understand ourselves as loved ones. But if our alignment is not first to God, we will be loved by others and take our self-definition from that love. Right? So that instead of it flowing this way, it will flow in the reverse. And it, it, will, it will look operational, but something will be off. It, 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 we're trying to make the engine run in reverse, if that makes, makes sense, right? And the result of that, the result of that will be toxic to us. The self that gets created by love from others is the false self. The self that gets created in reference to others is the false self, is the conformed self that, that our, our youth team are going to be looking at in, in their camp, Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to the world. What's that? That is the pressure, the love, the adoration, the approval, the disgust, the shame that comes at you from the outside forms... A false self by conforming. Does that make sense? So, so, so we are not built to be defined from the outside in. We are built to be defined by the love of God transformed from the inside out. So when we talk about loving self and loving neighbor as the bridge, it's important for us to know that if we, if we, if we orient to God properly, we will orient to others properly. That's how this, how this works. So when we look at the passage in, in Mark chapter 7 there, he invites us to love uh, God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I want now to talk about how, why it is necessary for us to um, uh, love ourselves well. And I know that sounds very uh, arrogant and egotistical, but the fact of the matter is if you don't love yourself, you're in fundamental disagreement with God about what is lovable. Why? Because He has set His love on you. Who do you think you are to disagree with Him about the nature of reality? Do you see what I'm after here? And in fact, I will argue that love of self is the way of humility. Because it agrees with God about what's true. And then we can set it aside and get to work. So much of our false humility arises out of the fact that we don't really love ourselves. And because remember, pride works in those two ways, doesn't it? It thinks more highly of itself than it ought to think. But it also thinks more lowly of itself than it ought to think. Humility is thinking accurately about the self as loved by God. That gives me the freedom then 
not to attend to myself. Because the goal of humility is not humility. The goal of humility is unselfconsciousness. So I can be useful to God. Why was Moses able to talk face to face with God as a man with a friend? Why? Because, quote, he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. If you remember, if we remember who we are, God has no problem showing us who he is. Do you see? But if it's about pride, if it's about spiritual pride particularly, don't expect to know very much of God. He will remain hidden from you. So why is this important? Genesis 1.26, I know that we've spent a lot of time in this over the years and will continue to be. God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move on the earth. Please notice, let us make humankind in our image and let them rule. So we are built to work. Work is not a byproduct of the fall, Genesis 3. The story of humankind begins in chapter 1. The most important thing that can be said about humanity is not that we are fallen, but that we are the image of God. Although it may have been ruined, it is not permanently damaged. This is critical for us as we go through there. So God created humankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. Please notice that the image of God here has function its first identity this is who we are we are the image of god and then it has purpose we are created to partner with god in stewarding the earth in ruling the earth the rulership here is not about is not about uh, ordering stuff around cows don't need supervision they just need a a, a human community that will create the environment within which their full cowness can be expressed that makes sense? That's why if you are a disciple of Jesus, you are ipso facto an environmentalist. That's what you're here for. It doesn't mean tree hugger. You'll notice as we go through here that the earth is given to us for our use and our resource. But it does mean that we partner with God in the care of the planet. That's why we're here. Now, why? This is so important is that God, this is the craziest thing. Notice, what is he, who is he trusting the earth with? He is trusting us with the earth. Did you get that? We talk a lot about trusting God. Can we talk for a few minutes about God's trusting you? He, he has a job responsibility in the care of the earth with your name on it. And he wants you to show up. He's willing to trust you with your family, with your resources, with your car, with your room, with your uh, uh, the, the systems, the employment that you're. He's trusting you with that so that you can, as his image, represent him well in that environment. As you parent your children or educate the kids who come to your class or sit in front of the computer screen and do a line of code, whatever it is, he is trusting you in that moment with that space as his image. It's important that we kind of remember that framework because what he has done is empowered us to be his image. He is trusting us. We are built for the responsible use of power. Now, I want you to see how this works in the next 10 or 15 minutes. Can you hang in with me through that? 
I want you to see how this how love of self makes this possible. All right. So we're going to go to John chapter four and we're going to begin at verse seven and and follow it. If you're following along in your Bibles, I've edited the text, not because I don't believe the parts that I edit out, but to make the the point uh, for what I'm trying to work on here today. John is writing to the church. Uh, it, at, primarily at Ephesus, but he writes to, to, to the church in that whole Indus Valley region. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this then is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another. God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Continuing on. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we are like him. There is no fear In love, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Go ahead with the next. So I'm going to let it sit with that. Here's here's two or three things that I want to say. First of all, John just asserts this is the fact of the universe. God is love. That's the nature of it that. Creation, then, that we talked about in Genesis uh, 1, is an expression of love. It is an expression of joy. Because God is love, what God does, and Paul makes this point in Acts chapter 17, the very expression of God is framed in love. You are built into an environment and a universe of love. It is in Him who is love that we live and move and have our existence. You see the connections that I'm trying to make there? I've got to move quickly on this, so, so, so bear with me on that. Is everybody on board? So you are built, your ideal environment, the water to your fishiness is love. That makes sense? You know what I mean? You ask a fish, what, what, uh, uh, how's the water? And the fish says, what, what, what water? The fish doesn't know for water. Why? Because it's simply the environment in which the fish is built to exist. Similarly, you, we are built to exist in an environment of love. That's what we're made for. We exist in God. We are we, we, we exist in that in that in that flow. So the very creation itself is an expression of love an act of joy. Second, love is the primary expression. This is a hard one for us of God's power. Love is the primary expression of God's power. Because in love, weakness is as embraced as strength is. 
Remember, we've made this point before, just quickly rapid shot it here. The ancient world to whom these texts were written knew about gods of power, gods of strength, gods who could make earthquakes occur or volcanoes occur or hurricanes occur. They knew about gods of strength and the and the task of the worshiper was to placate those gods with sacrifices of one kind or another. There were a number of other things operationalized, but you you, you get the general flow and feel of it, right? The reason Christianity is so different is because in Christianity you have a God who is weak. Whose greatest strength is shown in weakness. God is most fully revealed, not in his capacity to speak the world into being, not whose fingers create sun, moon and stars. Pretty cool. But who is most fully seen on a cross And why is that so important? Because in that moment, he takes up all of our tininess, all of our weakness, all of our frailty, all of our brokenness. He demonstrates himself not to simply be the God of the powerful, but the God of the weak, not the God of the great, but the God of the small. He is able to do it all. This is why, by the way, the principalities and the powers allowed him to be killed. They could not imagine a God whose greatest strength was weakness. So when God loves, it is an expression of power, not of weakness. Well, won't he be taken advantage of? Yes, that's the point. This is the craziness of grace, isn't it? People will just take advantage of it. Well, of course they will. That's what we want to do. Because if you don't take advantage of the power of love, if you don't take advantage of the power of grace, you remain in your shame. You remain in your brokenness. You remain unable to receive that love that you were built for in the first place. And then you'll start to look for love in all the wrong places. Because you're built for it. So love is the primary expression of God's power. Third, God is the source of our love. So to love others is to flow in the way that he orients himself to the world. Now, God has got a a fair uh, amount of work to do on this in us. How many recognize that? How many of you love some other people better than you love other people? Jesus is aware of this. Right. We treat our friends with kindness. And he says, now, when we're all done here, I want you to treat your enemies with kindness. Why? Well, because you're children of a heavenly father who does that. I want your love to be perfect like his love is perfect. Any questions? I I need you to know what the telos is, what the outcome is, what the goal is. Because that's where he's going. And if you stick with him, that's where you're going to end up. Isn't it frightening to think that I might actually love my enemies instead of loathing them? Won't get that give them power. Yes, it will. But your love is greater than their power. This is the point. The whole history of the universe is built on this statement in John chapter For God is love. Period. 
Oh, wow. That changes everything. Please notice how this works. Because we are loved by God then, that means that I don't have to use the power that He has given me to manipulate or to dominate. Remember, we're built for power to care for the earth. So we're going to use, when, when I feel superior or strong, I will use the power that I'm built for to dominate others. How many have experienced that? Nobody? Okay, just one. Good. On the other hand, if I feel in an inferior position, I will use the power that I'm built for to manipulate. How many have experienced that? Three, four, five. So what is the rest? All of the rest of you have experienced nothing but love, nothing but power that elevates, right? No. The fact of the matter is we're, we're going to do one of three things. We're going to dominate if we perceive ourselves in the superior position. We're going to manipulate if we perceive ourselves in the weaker position. Or we're going to elevate if we see ourselves in alignment with what the Father is doing in the world. We're going to use our love not to promote ourselves, but to promote others. How is it possible to use the love of God shed abroad in my heart to promote you? Well, I've got to know that I have a Heavenly Father who knows what I need before I ask. So when you are elevated, when you are lifted, when you are lifted, I don't lose anything. My universe isn't made smaller because yours is made bigger. I have a heavenly father who knows what I need too. So I don't lose anything by your superiority. Do you see how this works? Isn't this weird? How many of you are feeling the, 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 the push of the reverse pressure? Because this is not how conformed love works. It's a scratch my back, I'll scratch your world. Right? So as we think through this, I don't need to do this. God is our good. I don't need them to be afraid. Which is why we manipulate or dominate. I don't need to work out of insecurity. Why? Because love casts out fear. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to worry about what people think of me. Could you ever think about this? As Jesus walked into a room, He never once thought, I wonder what they're going to think of me. That to me is, uh, something's going on there. I want, I want some of that. Right? Because I, I have, I don't know if you're like this, if I have to make a phone call, if I walk into, I have the whole conversation in my head before I ever actually really talk to a person. Is anybody else like that? I just want to make sure at the end of the day that they like me. You know why? Because that's more important to me than that he does. Because if he did, then I wouldn't necessarily worry very much if y'all did. Now, that doesn't mean I have a license to be belligerent. I'm just that way naturally. But nonetheless, just a side there. But do you see where we're after, what I'm after on this one? So I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be defensive. In fact, uh, as I've started to work through this, my defensiveness is one of the clear indications that I've lost track of being loved by God. When I, when I find myself reacting in defense, self-defense, when I feel the surge of anybody else recognize the emotion that I'm describing, right? What I'm aware of is that I'm really afraid. Why am I afraid? Because I haven't sat deeply enough with the love of God for me. I haven't agreed with God that I am worthy. Listen to the language. It's carefully chosen. Worthy of love. Having been spoken into being by Him. 
Can you honestly believe that he would create something that he then didn't love? Well, why don't you love what he created? Yeah, I know we messed it up. I know we graffitied over the walls of our lives. I know that we blew parts of ourselves up. I know that we have shamed ourselves. How do you intend to restore it to the condition in which it was originally created? God's strategy is love. Have you got a better one? Self-help, 10 steps, 12 steps. 12 steps are good if they begin with what? A superior power and an awareness that I am completely and utterly powerless to do anything about myself. Hello. Doesn't that sound an awful lot like acknowledging that I'm loved for no good reason? Do you see what I'm saying? So we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be angry as the condition of our relationships because love casts out that fear. To love ourselves then is to come into alignment with what God has said is true. It is the way of humility and it is the only adequate foundation by which we will love others. Otherwise, we will love them as a way to be loved and become parasites. Because we will find ways to manipulate or dominate in relationships so that people think well of us, so that we can think well of ourselves. And God just says, isn't it good enough for you that I love you? No, because we've gotten ourselves out of alignment. We've gotten, the, we've gotten the diode backwards in the circuit. So the, the f- flow isn't working the right way. It looks okay, but we've got to turn so that we're in proper alignment. To love self, then, means to seek the best for myself. To be good and gracious and kind to myself. And when I was putting this together, I thought, well, what does this do with all of the passages of Scripture in which Paul talks about mortification? In which Jesus says, take up your cross. And then it occurred to me that the cross Jesus wishes to take up, wishes us to take up, is the cross on which the false self is crucified. So that the true self can emerge from the grave and the grave clothes. Does that make sense? So we're invited to put to death the false self, the self that has been trained and shaped and come to identity by conforming. The false self that looks all over to see what is expected of me in the moment so that I can deliver what somebody expects so that I'll be loved. That false self begins to be formed. You recognize its emergence in junior high, don't you? Because junior highers have no idea who they are. They just know they're not you. Because you're, and run down the list of disqualifiers. You're not an athlete, or you're the wrong color, or you're too big, or you're too small, or you're mama, or you're... The self that gets formed by conformity to the world is a false self that has to die because God will not empower the false self. So love 
from the inside out enables us to just let go of the demands, the praisings and blamings of man in Paul's language. Wouldn't that be nice to have such freedom knowing that I'm deeply, truly, passionately loved by the king and creator of the universe and I just happen to agree with him about me. So it's really not that important if you do. It can lead to arrogance. You with me? It can lead to a false, but, but sooner or later, kindness of God will enable that repentance. And we can live in great freedom because we're loved by God. Apart from anything we do or anything we contribute, He doesn't love me more. Or love me less if I'm good or bad. He just loves me because he is love. And he wants me to come into alignment with that. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the chance that we've had to sink into these things today. This is, uh, this is a big deal. This is big stuff. And Lord, I recognize as, as we come to conclude the service this morning, we've, we've, we've um, tried to attend to what you're doing. And um, my sense is that there are others, there are some of us, Lord, that really need to lean into this a bit, think through it. And maybe in their community groups this week, maybe uh, this afternoon, maybe listening to the podcast later on. Because some of the ideas, Lord, this is just so foreign to what many of us have, have, have believed or thought about ourselves and about how you operate and orient yourself to us. But it is so clearly rooted in Scripture nonetheless. My sense, O oh Lord, is that there are some of us here today who need to really lay down the false self, the self of the performance, and really let you love us for no good reason. There are others of us, O oh Lord, who, who um, know what that cross is that we need to take up. But there are others, and perhaps many more, who are just afraid who live and operate out of insecurity, who live and operate out of anger and fear. And so I pray, O oh Lord, that today, whether as we draw to conclusion and they come and find somebody to pray with them, or as they go their various ways and create space this afternoon, or tomorrow, to just sit for a few moments and let your love begin to percolate down from their knowledge base to their heart base and begin to live out a life of no condemnation, live out a life of no shame, live out a life of love from you, but also for themselves. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.